Hey, just a small thing. I suggested to Cloud to try something different with her setup when we recorded this episode. It didn't totally work out as intended, so her track is a tad bit distorted. It's not. It's nothing big, but uh, I just just wanted to put that out there. It's it's my fault. So uh, hope you enjoy the episode. People talk loud when they want to act smart, right? Correct. So if we play loud, people might think we're good. Everybody ready? And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three, four. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. My name is Sterling. And hey, this is Cloud. We are the Film School Brats. This is a show where we talk about movies, TV, and entertainment from the perspective of film students, which will be very apt for today's topic. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Vars- or Operation Varsity Blues, which is about the whole college admission scandal that happened a couple years ago. Well, like officially. Obviously, it's been going <laughs> yeah. on for a long time and probably still is going on. Um <laughs> And a little hundred percent, it's still yeah, going on. Yeah, not probably, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then we're going to talk also a little bit about the last blockbuster. We just thought these were two new Netflix documentaries, and they're both up our alley. You know, one's about film and one's about school. So it's school brats to be specific. So sure. perfect. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It feels like forever since I've asked you this, but what have you been watching? I actually watched. The Aviator last night, mm-hmm. and by last night I mean I still have thirty minutes to go. Because <laughs> I'm here's the thing that I've learned about myself: I cannot watch movies at night anymore. I think okay. I think I just need to watch them in the afternoon. Otherwise, I will just pass out. It doesn't yeah. matter how long it is. This one's long, but it doesn't matter how long it is. I will not get to the last thirty minutes of a movie. It as soon as the second act finishes, I'm out. <laughs> I cannot sit around for the resolution. Uh-huh. Um, so that's that. How about you? What have you are, been are watching? You, are you enjoying it? Oh, yeah, I'm loving it. Well, I don't know if I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. Okay. But I'll tell you after I see the last 30 minutes could okay. totally switch my perception of it. My only relationship to The Aviator is we have a DVD of it at home. And growing up, I remember like pulling it out all the time and just mm-hmm. like not knowing what it was and my dad would be like oh that's such a bad movie but you're not old <laughs> enough to watch it anyway so I, I mean i'll watch it at some point i'm not gonna take his word for that it's a scorsese movie but just disregard it completely be like nope did not get the dad stamp of approval <laughs> but that's just my my relationship to that yeah i will say it is it frustrates me a lot to see movies about movies and it's about right. Howard Hughes, yeah. who, you know, huge yeah. person in the film industry. So <laughs> just be prepared. I don't know if that affects you at all, but for me, it's like an, an extra challenge to enjoy the movie if it's sure. about movies. Like making movies. Yeah, about making movies. Yeah, yeah. Stresses me out. Okay. <laughs> How about you? What have you been watching? I've been watching quite a bit. I'm kind of proud of myself. Uh, Hell yeah. I, I mean, I watched Pretend It's a City. The mm-hmm. Fran Lebowitz thing, fantastic. So good, right? Yeah, it's really so great. So good. <laughs> like, just watch it. That's kind of my own, my only thought. Um, mm-hmm. The other night I watched, I watched this at night, like at two in the morning. I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, okay. The Charlie yes. Kaufman movie. Uh, it stays uh, with you. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, it's a mindfuck of a movie. Yeah. 
it made me feel very cold. Even now, just remembering it, I want to throw a blanket over my head. <laughs> coldness. Physical coldness. Yeah. Uh, I also watched The Assistant. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Kitty Green movie. Um, very understated, but I thought it was a great insight into what it's probably like working in a movie house. I don't have any experience with that but you know it's obviously implied that it's harvey weinstein and miramax and that stuff so speaking of miramax and the aviator it's a miramax movie oh wow yeah and so is gangs of new york which i also watched recently okay those were movies that were on netflix and in my list and i just never got around to watching them and they're not on netflix anymore i know i've been having to get all these free trials for seven days for 30 days for cinemax and fucking paramount plus yeah. i have it on my calendar to a reminder to cancel that right before they start charging me yeah you can watch that new spongebob show or movie i don't know what it is camp something i'm not gonna do that <laughs> there we go sure. the new spongebob <laughs> okay um how about we Talk about the lack, the lack block blah. The lack of blockbusters, yes. In a world where video stores have all but disappeared. I mean, look at the James Bond section. Every James Bond movie, every Avatar movie, because you know there's just the one so far. I hate late fees, but I understand that you have to do it. Otherwise, people just keep those videos. I know I did. I know I did. <laughs> Meet Sandy, the Blockbuster mom. So um, when I started in 2004, um, Blockbuster Video had nine, roughly 9,000 stores and over 60,000 employees. Um, and now... This is a Kickstarter project. I had uh, no idea. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you okay. read the credits, it says, like, thank you to our Kickstarter backers, and there are, like, hundreds of names. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That, it, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, carry yeah. on. It's directed by Taylor Morden. They were able to get a bunch of pretty big names to talk about as they're talking heads, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? I, here's the thing. I used to love Blockbuster. It was one of my favorite things to do, to just go around, pick a movie, touch all the DVDs, all things that feel insane right now. Can you imagine touching a DVD, putting it back, someone else touches it? Oh, especially now, yeah. Yeah, especially now. (laughs) Um, But having said that, I think this documentary relied way too much on the nostalgia of Mm -hmm. the Blockbuster experience, and I was left craving much a much more in-depth look into what their business structure was and what exactly made them you know go under because they do say that it was like the whole verizon buying them and um the 2008 crisis but they don't go into depth into like how exactly that happened or what their you know thought process was also, the voiceover was really annoying, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> the voiceover is weird. It's, it's, it's inconsistent, and it's not... It, I don't know. It doesn't really add anything. It adds nothing. And you you texted me before I had even watched this. You were like, this documentary is very nerdy. Mm-hmm. 
And when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, they're trying to be so quirky and it's, it's falling flat half of the times. I did like how they had the TV in the middle, like an old TV that would show little clips. Oh, yeah. That was cute. Yeah, there were some cool things in it. it. I mean this in... I don't even know how I mean this. I'm just... <laughs> shred it. Shred it to pieces. Go. Well, no, I, I didn't hate it. I, I And I actually... I, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was a fine watch. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like a long YouTube video, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But structurally, it doesn't have... I don't know. I also watched this right after Varsity Blues. So it doesn't have that, like, polished professional industry doc level of production and i get it um it's definitely a fan-made love letter to blockbuster i I think structurally it kind of suffers a little bit it you have the first hour it's like a kind of a a long stretched out textbook version of the rise and fall of blockbuster Mm -hmm. and then the last 30 minutes or so is about like the actual last blockbuster and bend which again, it feels like a long like news report, mm-hmm. uh, like a segment. Um, there's just not much to say about it other than yes. it's the last blockbuster. Yes, I, and we can get more into this when we talk about Operation Varsity Blues. Um, but it all goes down to what you want out of a documentary, and for me, it is because I have in my consciousness, you know, an idea of blockbuster why i went down and i knew about the last blockbuster yeah so what i was looking for in this documentary was a much more like nitty-gritty all the details that you wouldn't have known like unless you read ten thousand news articles and like all these reports and you know go through all these files that you know most people won't and for me, it felt short of that. It, it it kind of felt that it stayed at the surface and there was a lot more to dig, you know? Yeah. yeah, there was also the whole thing about, like, having them license the the name all over again and that mm-hmm. kind of is just, a, like, a phone call and it's not very deep. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I don't know, like, how much they're able to really talk about it, but it just, yeah, it definitely feels like a, like a long report. For sure. I will say, though, I have bought things from the last Blockbuster and <laughs> Ben. I have, I'm wearing right now, sweatpants. This is the only time I've ever worn them, by the way. <laughs> I was like, this is my only chance to wear these sweatpants, because they're bright blue. They also mm. are not very flattering, but they're bright blue <laughs> and have Blockbuster on the side. And they're not even like that comfy to wear as pajama pants, so this is literally the only occasion appropriate for them Cloud, maybe also in, while watching the LA, documentary you're in la you can wear them out wear them loud and proud just <laughs> bright blue and yellow blockbuster pants yeah but then the other thing that i got which is great is a board game is the blockbuster the last blockbuster board game it's just like a little movie trivia game where the board is a little parking lot and you have three cards and basically I'm going to explain the game right now very quickly. We can cut this out. Well, no, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't tell me what it was. Yeah. Um, Oh, wait, just give me one second. I need to grab it. Okay. So, all right. It looks like a VHS tape. It looks like an old VHS tape. It says Blockbuster Party Game. Um, And basically, I'm going to put it down. If not... (laughs) 
Okay. It's loud does, and heavy. Does it have the snap when you open it? Oh, yes. Wait. It's not that good. <laughs> it's a little th- mushy. Yeah, it's a little... Mm. But anyway, it's a game which basically you have two teams and each team needs... And so... Does this make sense? Should I start over? I I don't. I'm not. I'm not really following. I, I, okay. I think. I, I think I can say it again more efficiently. Okay. So here's the game. There's two teams. Each team needs to have at least two persons, two people in them. Yeah. And one one round consists of a little lightning round and then the playing part. The lightning yeah. round, you get a card each. That, um, that, yeah, okay. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Okay. You get a card. It's like movies with dogs. Yeah. You go back and forth, back and forth. So if you win the lightning round, then you take six cards out and only you can see them. And the six cards that you take are six different movies of different genres. And you're going to pick the three that you think are the easiest and you're going to give the other three to the other teammate, uh, to the like to the other team. And once you have your three cards, you're going to have to act them out or like give clues to your own teammates so they guess them. And the way that you do that is out of your three movies, so it can be, you know, Rocky, Titanic, and A Bug's Life. And you have to choose, okay, Rocky, are you going to mime it out? Are you going to choose to just say one word to have your teammates guess it? Or are you going to have a quote from the movie? So okay. for Rocky, I would mime it out. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's, it's Pictionary just with movies and you're not drawing. It's it's kind of like, like charades. Picturade, it's charades. Yeah. Here's the thing though. I've played this game three times. I've won all three. But <laughs> just humble brag. But each time that we've played it, the people that it like is a stress test for relationships. Everyone that's like it it like has broken some people up. Namely one couple that we played with they broke up after they played this game. Are you kidding me? No, I'm dead After, serious right I mean, now. I would like to think that they had more problems before this. For sure, but this that was, was like the I last think straw. The straw, yeah, the last straw. <laughs> I think they broke up because they were like, Cloud cannot explain this game to save her life. <laughs> Just making this so frustrating. And they took it out on each other. Anyway, wow. that's the game. That's intense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So play out of your own risk. Uh, you you I mean you didn't actually go to Oregon you just had it like shipped over I I had it shipped I had it shipped okay oh. but I would love to go there just to walk around yeah I would too not rent anything well if I were like staying for more than a day or so then I I would you know just out of whatever courtesy but, but where would you play it I guess I have a DVD In my player hotel that I can plug DVD I don't know I don't know man they probably have DVD players the hotels there yeah i don't know i don't remember the last time i walked into a blockbuster but yeah it was i think it was all part of our childhoods um i also had a hollywood video i don't know if you guys had that Mm-mm. okay well it's kind of like blockbuster but it was a smaller chain i had a lot of like little pop and shop mom and pop pop and shop pop and shop pop and pop um little video stores all around and there was this one that was very cool in my area because you would call and they would deliver it to you that was really cool oh, 
Wow. They would take it to you. It was, I kid you not, two blocks away from my house. Did I ever not get it delivered? No. I always called, so they <laughs> brought it to my house. It was because it was the fun thing about it. And it was so frustrating because you had to, like, call. I mean, they could send you a whole list of all the movies they had, or you just call and be like, I'm feeling a rom-com. What do you got? Wait, this and was this Blockbuster? Dude, no, no, this, like, little shop oh, two okay, blocks okay, away okay. from my house. Yeah. And this dude on the phone would just, like, list all the rom-coms. It was, it yeah. was a mess. But Clow, part of the fun, and they emphasize this so much in the doc, is going and browsing yourself. I, I know, but this was the transition. So we were craving something different. Right. We didn't know that it was going to yeah. go away forever. Yeah. Yeah, we had that. That's when, yeah, Netflix was a thing. It was kind of mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Did you guys have Netflix? No, no. no. We yeah. only had it when it was streaming already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that grew <laughs> That grew quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually still do the DVDs. Like, you can subscribe to a like a, a more expensive membership, and they do the DVD stuff. I guess oh, they're Blu-rays insane. now. Yeah, Blu-rays. <laughs> Not interested. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, how about we talk about Operation Varsity Blues? Let's do it. Hey, Rick. Hey there. Is this a good time? Yeah, yeah, it's good for me. Rick, I had a question for you. It's just you and me. Is that kosher? Absolutely. I just wanted you to walk me through the whole thing again and how it works. We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. So I've done 761 what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. So I've created this kind of side door in because my families want a guarantee. First of all, very pretentious title. Um, I know that that's what the FBI called the investigation, but the FBI was really pretentious while naming <laughs> this. Operation Varsity Blues, what is this? Feels like a Kids Next Door episode. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't think about that, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, it is. I mean, yes, it is. But no, it, it, it fits, though. It fits the whole prestige. I'm not saying it doesn't fit. I'm just saying it's pretentious. Okay. It is. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Chris Smith, who also did the Netflix Fire documentary. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Here's the thing. And this is where I think it differs the most from the Blockbuster documentary. Is that I thought this was so well covered in the news, the college scandal. And mm-hmm. I had read so much about it because obviously in college, hits close to home, whatever. And it was all about the celebrities. Yeah. I thought I knew everything there was to know about it, short of, like, the actual court cases and, like, the right. FBI investigation part of it. Right. But this documentary went in so deep and showed me, I guess it just, like, contextualized everything in a way that made so much sense to me and that I really, I don't know, I, I really appreciated the way the whole thing came together. How about mm-hmm. you? What do you think? Uh, I also thought it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It was a lot more than I thought I knew about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was like some huge FBI investigation that had started like really early on. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's one problem I have with the movie. Maybe I totally overlooked it, but I'll get into that in a second. Okay. <laughs> this one's interesting because a lot of it is reenactment. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the conversations are apparently totally real, and they're just like quoting them. But yeah, uh, they get actors to replay all the scenarios, which I thought was going to be really corny. Mm-hmm. But it actually works really well. It works so well, and I usually hate reenactments in documentaries. Yeah. I know that they need a filler and they need it to be visually engaging. I hate them because I think they're so manipulative and deceiving for the most part. You know, especially mm-hmm. I guess I'm I'm thinking mostly of murder documentaries or oh, you know, God. crimes yeah. that are, you know, <laughs> gruesome like that. Yeah. Where it's just ridiculous how far they go with the with the reenactments and trying to put into perspective the psychology of of the people and sometimes it's just this is just what you think, and you're presenting it as a fact. Yeah. But with Operation Varsity Blues, uh, <laughs> it's such a dumb title. Uh, <laughs> with Operation Varsity Blues, it helps so much because you're seeing these rich people in their houses and going outside in their huge balconies talking about, um, okay, but I'm a lawyer, so tell me exactly again how this worked. Yeah. Brilliant. I th- I thought it added so much. And knowing that it was all from transcripts, and of course the inflection of the voice and how you deliver it, you know, is subjective. But knowing that it was based off of the transcripts, I was like, I'm on board. I'm sold. This is great. Yeah. I thought the look of the movie was fascinating mm-hmm. because it has that, like, varsity look. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought about how influential the social network was until I watched this movie. And then I thought the social network is like such a staple in the last couple decades for that like prestigious college look. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, this movie looks like it was like so inspired by how Fincher would direct a scene. And so that's I don't know. That's what I thought about. I just kept thinking like this looks like a Fincher imitation not necessarily in a bad way, it just... Yeah, but very elevated. It's not... I, th- I think, again, the visual aspect of it, the way the story was structured, elevated it and made for such a compelling documentary on an already very compelling subject. Yeah. But the form of the documentary was also, like, in par with the subject matter. And I thought they actually got great people to be the talking heads. I like the, well, everyone was great, but the guy that was the sailing instructor instructor mm-hmm. at Stanford, who was the first person to get, you know, sentenced. I think he was only in prison for one day or something silly, but he seemed so genuine and so, you know, open. I mean, who knows, but that's what I got. That's clearly he, how they're painting him. Maybe yeah, a little naive, I, but honest. I, yes. And I... <laughs> That was something that really stuck out to me because they have his lawyer also sitting there mm-hmm. talking. So, I mean, I know, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think that he's like some horrible evil guy that is like giving an Oscar worthy performance here. <laughs> and so just having the lawyer there made me think like, okay, well, obviously they, they, the only way he agreed to do this is with huge oversight <laughs> from his lawyer, you know, telling him what he can and cannot say and stuff. So that kind of sure. that kind of stuck out to me. It wasn't mm-hmm. totally distracting, but I did think about it. Yeah, but I did like what the lawyer said um, when he was like, because the victim is the university, right? That's who's been painted as the victim. And he was saying that 
Neither him nor any of his colleagues at his firm could find a single like other case in which the victim ended up almost a million dollars richer by the end. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was interesting because yeah. I was like, mm, the college as the victim seems like a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, but but then there was that guy who made a really good point. Like, this actually helped the colleges. This helped the colleges so much, man. It, uh, yeah, it does make people think. Like little kids, uh, not little kids, but like, but yeah, even <laughs> kids and like people in high school. Like, oh my mm-hmm. god, like people are willing to risk their lives just to go to this school. Maybe there's something really incredible about it. Yes, that also stood out to me a lot because free publicity. Yeah. And and make it more exclusive, like the prestige. Right. I'm going to throw some Harvard shade here. Hopefully I don't offend anybody. But I think it's interesting how everyone I know from Harvard tells me that it's actually not even that hard. Like to get in, you know, you have to give up an arm and a leg. But <laughs> while you're actually there, it's really easy. Like they, they really try hard to give you good grades. And even Conan has been public mm-hmm. about this on his show. The funny thing about that scandal is that they got their dumb kids in there, and, but then they were able to handle the curriculum with no problem. Right. Like, none of them flunked out. So I guess, evidently, the real difficulty is, is getting in. Getting into those Once colleges. you're in, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. So you went to Harvard, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you... Yeah. How did you find it? Was it difficult? I found, I'll I'll tell everybody this. I worked really, really hard as a kid. I was a grind and went to public schools. And then I got in and I did think once I got in, this is not, I was terrified. I thought I was going to be the stupidest person there. I was filled with feelings of inadequacy. And then I don't think it was harder than any other college that anybody's gone to. I I really believe that. So it's just interesting. Like, you really think about how much of an illusion this all of is. Well, for sure, because that's what their whole business model is. It's exclusivity, and it's, you know, we'll give... It's the name, but that's most universities. Like, why do we go to NYU and not, you know, your community college that is probably way more affordable? And, I mean... Probably. Some universities do have some distinguished professors that do make a big difference. And, you know, if you have people that are working in your industry, also teaching classes, that is a great way to network. So that I get. But yes. the overall education beyond that might be very comparable. Right. I, I would agree. Yeah. So here's the issue that I had that I might have just missed this detail. Mm-hmm. But do they ever explain why his phone is tapped in the first place? Well, yeah, they say that it was someone else got arrested for something totally different and for like a totally different crime that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And then that person said um, that someone at Yale was asking for um, bribes, basically, to get people in. And so they get to that coach, that soccer coach at Yale. And the soccer coach is like, okay, I, you know, to cooperate, I'll give up Rick Singer. Yeah. And so they get to Rick Singer for something that was like totally unrelated to anything like that other crime that was totally unrelated. So they start tapping his phone. The FBI taps his phone and the IRS. No, just the FBI. Well, but that's that's later on. Like he's been caught by then. Right. Well, no. First, they tapped his phone. And then after they got enough evidence, that's when they get him to that hotel room. 
and then he says that he'll cooperate and he starts you know knowingly oh framing people on the phone and have you know and saying that his um okay company is being audited okay all right that okay the timeline is not very clear i will say they yeah. don't tell you exactly okay. years months and exactly how it happened okay so but that's what i think partially my fault for misunderstanding <laughs> but yeah because they they all like lump it in at the end and then like right after that they show the hotel scene so it, mm-hmm. i was like wait <laughs> how yeah. where are we here because yeah, like, he they have phone calls from pretty early on in his process mm-hmm. so that threw me off but okay that makes more sense yeah i will say that the thing that's the most infuriating about the whole actual scandal and this is not I mean, we're just talking about the subject of the documentary. Yeah. Is how much of a joke all the prison sentences were. Oh, I read that here. Yeah. Really? The punishment was just so ridiculous and so still in par with the rich get away with anything. Yeah. And it reminded me of this other case, like a real life thing, where a woman what do you mean a real life thing no it like it reminded me of an actual news story of this woman who had switched in in her zip code in like some forms so her kid could go to like a different school oh, right district. the public school thing yeah. yeah yeah and she got like a couple years of jail yeah. for yeah. that mm-hmm. just because she was a woman of color and right. clearly in a different socioeconomic bracket yeah and felicity jones got like two weeks of jail get out of here but (laughs) not felicity jones felicity huffman what's her name i think so felicity Felicity huffman (laughs) that's who i meant who the hell is felicity jones felicity jones is uh she's um oh my god the theory of everything the theory of everything as far as i know she did not do anything wrong sorry felicity jones (laughs) felicity huffman felicity huffman yeah i'm so stupid yeah i wrote Um, a note here i said 14 days in prison is a joke and a half yeah dude it's insane but also Something interesting about the documentary itself is that um, the guy that played Rick Singer in the reenactments, his name is Mike Matthew Modine. 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 Yeah. Hmm? So yeah. Matthew is apparently, you know, he's worked with, with Felicity Huffman and he knows her husband too. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, kind of, kind of weird that obviously these are people that are super well known in Hollywood. Well, it's just it's just interesting that this story was so blown up because first of all, it really strikes a chord when people that should have had every advantage in the world, that did have every advantage in the world, still cheated. I think yeah. that hate to see it, but love to just consume it because it's it angers people so much. But the other thing is that I was so guess blissfully unaware of all these other huge like ceos entrepreneurs whatever that were also involved because i think the focus went so much on the hollywood aspect of it as always and i think the bulk of the attention was for um olivia jade and Lori laughlin and her husband yeah but i was like oh my god all these other sons of bitches that did the exact same thing and you know 
they're easier names to forget. Yeah. <laughs> but they're probably like, we'll still continue to do all this business. Like the Hot Pocket girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, some of them didn't even like, some of them pled not guilty. And, and like, I guess they haven't even been charged yet or anything. So yeah. at this point, we're so far away from it. Like, I'm sure a lot of these charges will be dropped just out of mm-hmm. sheer disinterest. Yeah, ridiculous. But overall, great documentary. I actually watched it twice. Oh, wow. Because I watched it and then I told him, you really need to watch this. And he was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> so we did. Matt, so I watched it's, it twice. it's totally worth a watch. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's a quick watch too. It's not very, I mean, it's, it's longer than the blockbuster one, but like it, it goes it by. It feels way shorter. <laughs> so those are our thoughts on those two documentaries. One about film and then one about getting into school and of course we want to combine those two and talk about our personal experiences getting into film school this has been part one next week for part two we'll get into that part about (laughs) we get into the second part the sequel the part after part one otherwise known as part two where where we will do a deep dive into our experiences getting into college okay bye see ya Oh, cheer up, Squid. It could be worse. Yeah, you could be bald and have a big nose. Well, this is the end.